Carefree Black Nerd is available on iTunes and SoundCloud and carefreeblacknerd.com. Please rate and review on iTunes, like, share, and comment on SoundCloud. Of course, let's keep this conversation going. Live tweet with me when you listen to these episodes. Give me a quick little live tweet. Stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I'm your <laughs> amazing host, <laughs> Rain Coleman, and this issue covers ballistic. Yeah! All right, so y'all, it's this dude, right? And uh, he cool as fuck. And uh, the only thing is, I don't really see him that much because um, back in '93, he ended up being in like only 23 issues of a comic book. So, ballistic. Uh, where do I begin? Well. <laughs> Once upon a time in 93... No, Ballistic uh, is a fictional superhero who is published by none other than DC Comics. He first appeared in Batman Annual number 17. This was back in 1993. And this character was created by Doug Monach. Monich. Monich. Hmm. M-O-E-N-C-H. Monch. Yeah, we'll go with that. And Michael Manley. Now, um... I'm a little general information about ballistic, and um, for those of you, for those of you, Jesus, words, 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 for those of you who are listening and uh, you were looking at the cover art for this episode, you're going to notice that this character is very much not a black man, and the reason for that is that because he is an Asian American. Um, his general information is, you know, his superhero name is Ballistic. His real name is Kelvin. Mayo, I believe that's how you say the name, M-A-O, Mao or Mayo, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm going to stick with maybe Mayo for now, and if I'm wrong, somebody correct me and we can um, do all that. Uh, published by DC Comics, and he is a male. Now, his character type was listed as infection, and I, at first, at first glance, I was like, what the hell is that? What the fuck does that mean? But later on, like doing the research and everything, I realized what that was, and we'll come up on that. Now, again, he first appeared in Batman Annual number 17 back in 1993. And I found that he only appears in 23 issues of DC Comics. Now, <laughs> cue the rant. Now, <laughs> my issue, as it always is, is representation in comics and related media. And the big two seem to just sleep on these characters that they have. Um, much like, you know, they bullshitted with Nubia. Within, like, discovering more about this character, I'm thinking, like, y'all really dropped the ball on this one. And a lot of times the arguments from fanboys and fangirls are that, oh, well, why don't you just create your own new character instead of making everybody gender-bent and race-bent and all this? Okay, whatever. That's all fine and good. If you feel that way, kudos to you. But the the issue now becomes there are so many characters who are lost by the wayside in these companies. Ballistic being one of these characters. Now, um, you can also say, oh, well, there are white characters who are lost by the white side too. Yeah, that's true. But when the majority of what you're seeing on screen and in the bookstores and everything are these same white, just as many, if not more, white faces that are 
prevalent that are in your face. And I love me some goddamn Batman. I love reading me some Spider-Man, Peter Parker. And all. Like, I like these characters, but I'm saying all this to say that this is yet another character who you already have rights to, who you already own, who you already have in your pantheon of history and stories and characters. Who, if you would just give this man to a creator, an Asian American, an Asian character, oh, excuse me, uh, creator, be it an illustrator, be it a writer, be it a colorist, a letterer. It's like Dean's characters who we have who are so fringe and forgotten about and haven't been treated well, you know, over their history. The first thing I would do if I ever got to the seat of power at Marvel or DC is seek out Dean's characters and give them to characters characters excuse me to creators of color like there are so we even got into the show yet so um um he died his death date is infinite crisis number seven which was a finale um his powers include invulnerability stamina super hearing super sight super strength weapon master weapon master is one of his powers um okay um, that stems from his life uh, pre-superhero and his occupation pre-superhero. And we'll get to that as well. Um, at first glance, I'm like, this motherfucker is badass. He almost looks like a um, more melanated version of like a Norse god almost. But then again, he also, being a creature of the 90s, looks like... A 90s character, extremely muscle but He's like extreme, that's it. He, <laughs> this motherfucker is extreme. Uh, or to the max. Or <laughs> but all in all, he fits, <clears throat> he fits that time frame of that sweet spot of this 80s, 90s looking, I don't know, whatever. So, <laughs> so the character, excuse me, Ballistic, is a fictional superhero in the DC Comics, uh, universe now his powers and abilities after receiving a bite from the alien and god ballistic is mutated into a large monster of a man he gains super strength red armor skin night vision and super hearing in addition mayo was trained in tactical operations is an and is an excellent marksman in combat <laughs> go figure now the reason for this being that uh, Mayo, Kelvin Mayo, which is, can we take a moment to appreciate that name? Kelvin Mayo, that's like a, that's a, that's a pretty nice name. That's a pretty handsome, distinguished name, if I do say so myself. <laughs> now, um, Ballistic first appeared in Batman Annual number 17, and that issue was part of the Bloodlines event. Now, him, along with most of the other bloodline characters never really caught on with readers and so they were kind of moved to you know guest appearances and cameos in the dc universe which is like uh when you have things like stranger things which is a new show that's obviously a callback to the 80s maybe a little bit of early 90s a lot of some late 70s in there and is doing such an amazing job and the people are treating it with care and as fantastical and outlandish as it is the parts that are down home and grounded in reality are also just as good i only bring that up because it seems like of course everything goes in it's a cycle and we have this nostalgic feeling that's making us pull from things of yesteryear 
which is why I think um, Stranger Things is such a great, it's in this sweet spot where you have these people who are in their 30s, maybe early 40s, who rem- who get a, fin- a sense of nostalgia, that childhood fun that you got that kind of, I believe Stranger Things is kind of a snapshot of that time for certain people. In the way that Stranger Things is that for a lot of people, I feel like this character and a lot of characters from the 90s could very well be that as well. Hell, even look at um, Archie over there at Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale, the Carefree Black Nerd Newsfeed. But um, just look at that. You took a property that was an old-fashioned, old-timey property, which it was being rebooted and updated and modernized in the comics. But again, everyone doesn't read comics. And everyone that consumes visual media does not always partake in the comic books that it's based on. So although Archie has been moving for a more modern, polished, newer look in the comic books for years, having Riverdale presented in a way to a larger audience is like this renaissance of that era, of that type of book style, those characters from back in the day. I feel like this character could be served well to be updated as well. When you look at the DC Comics, um, the animated series and animated shows and movies have always done well. Like if DC can't do nothing right, they can do a, a cartoon, like hands down, um, except for that 10 minute vixen thing, but whatever, I digress. Um, I said all that to say that I feel like with the way their movies have been going and not to pit them against Marvel because they're two entirely different beasts. They're very similar in the sense of the content that they put out, but they're two different companies. Marvel is ahead of the game, have been for years. DC, I feel like, is does not have to emulate Marvel, but what they could do is take characters like this, give them to people who are passionate about comics about writing about illustrating like people of color who have something to say because i'm looking at this character ballistic and although he has a short run and a short-lived life just think of how amazing this character could be if handed off to an asian american author if he was handed off to an asian american illustrator someone who would have that inside knowledge that you don't have as someone who's not part of that culture Yes, he's a police officer, so anybody can probably write him as a police officer. He's a man, so any man can probably write him. But when you have a character like this, and when you have a character like this, and he is a person of color, and there not being that many people of color in comics, when you hold them up against the number of how many white people there are in comics, it's kind of saddening that a character like this is just kind of existing randomly. So even taking it back even further for the fanboys and fangirls that are saying, oh, why can't you just create your own characters and this, this, and the third? Well, we have characters like this who exist, but don't exist because they're, they're, <laughs> they don't exist. So um, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating, but getting back on track. <laughs> now, um, Ballistic appeared in Batman Annual Number 17 as part of the Bloodlines event. Now, Bloodlines, it was um, in 1993. It was a comic book story arc that was published by DC Comics, of course. And it was an um, intercompany crossover that ran through DC's superhero annuals and concluded with this two-issue Bloodbath miniseries that was written by um, Dan Respierre. The antagonists were a race of monstrous xenomorph-like aliens who killed humans for their spinal fluid, which 
in itself, though this is fiction and it's comics and it's on a page, that thought alone is so creepy and so frightening. Somebody hunting you for your spinal fluid? Um, but a, fr- a small fraction of the parasitic, excuse me, parasite victims, they survived and they became superheroes via their ordeal. Um, now, the plot device introduced was a wave, excuse me, this plot device introduced a wave of new blood superheroes in the DC universe. And this is what I think DC, like, DC has Wildstorm, DC had Milestone, they had this uh, new blood, they had, like, they have all these friends, like, even the Watchmen, like, they have DC, okay, break it down, <laughs> I'm trying not to get so excited. DC has these characters, their main Go with the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, then Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, and Supergirl, everybody that surrounds them in the main DC titles. Then, and I'm speaking back in 90s and, you know, coming up to the 2000s, you have all these other kind of realities or other um, lines within your own line, even the Young Animal line and the Wild Storm. You have all these, you have just a wealth of beautiful um stories and characters hell you had a whole milestone like how iconic is milestone like so um excuse me excuse me so you have all of these characters and you're not i don't know i can't even articulate all these thoughts that are rushing through my head i just feel as if dc has so many characters a lot of characters of color and, you know, there are characters that fell off on the wayside. Your business, you're in it to make money. But when you see how well-received things are when you do them correctly, when you look at how Marvel did Luke Cage versus the reception that they got from uh, Coachella Fist, Iron Fist. Now, Iron Fist in itself was probably a good, solid idea. Although it isn't what I wanted out of Iron Fist, there are some people who like it. But there, there is no denying in when you saw Luke Cage being handled by this magnificent team surrounded by these people of color. And that's not even to say that a person of color can't write a white person and a white person can't write a black person. But when you have these characters who, one, you're not really doing a goddamn thing with anyways, what is the harm in giving Ballistic over to an Asian creator and saying, hey, give me a four-issue miniseries. You know, we'll, it will go straight to trade and we'll see how it sells. You know, even if it bombs, it's the fact that it's actually out there. These things are forever. Once you have a comic book, you have a comic book. If you give it away, if you throw it away or whatever, it's still going to exist. So some somebody's going to find this. Like this is like my argument with Nighthawk, how he was handled over there at Marvel um, with his run being relegated to just six issues. And that was it. Enough for a trade. And that's it. This badass black man akin to... Uh, Batman, who's just kicking ass and taking names later, grounded in reality in Chicago. <sighs> but again, I digress. Moving forward. Now, um, in this new blood, this was, I guess, supposed to be like a new kind of um, expansion of the DC Universe and something that they thought would have better reception than it did. Of course, it did not. Now, seven DC comic series were spun out of this event. Blood Pack... Razor Sharp and the Cyber Rats, uh, Hitman, Anima, Loose Cannon, Argus, and Gunfire. Now, um, Kev- Kelvin Mayo, he is a Korean American. 
member of the Gotham City Police Department's tactical unit. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Gotham City Police Department, GCPD for short, <laughs> is a fictional police department appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. The GCPD services Gotham City and is typically depicted in stories featuring the superhero Batman. Now, <laughs> there is a series about the Gotham um, PD and I own... All the trades but one. I am trying to... Gotham Central. That's what it is. Um, how amazing would it be <laughs> to bring that series back and to bring this motherfucking Kelvin Mayo onto the force and, and play around with him, even if he still... Play with his origin story. Like I just feel like a lot of characters who were created in the 80s and 90s and who are no longer with us or who've gotten these reboots and, and just haven't made it into the, the new age of comic books, they, that is like a... Those, that's untapped potential, <laughs> god damn it. Now, uh, this unit that Kelvin Mayo was a part of, they're sent to face Angon, who was committing murders throughout the city. This entire squad was killed except for Mayo, who was bitten by Argon and receives massive injuries. Mayo is placed in a body cast at the hospital. This lasts until the alien's bite mutated him. A rare occurrence for bite victims. So he's already exceptional. This motherfucker is surpassing other people who, should, who died with this fucking bite. But he can't get no updated miniseries. <laughs> now... The alien's bite activates Mayo's metagene. Now, for those of you who don't know, over the DC Universe, we don't have mutants. We don't have enhanced individuals. We have metahumans. That's kind of their version of the X-gene or that superhuman fantastical character and the things that are within them. Um, so this Mayo's metagene, and he is transformed into a large man with armor skin, super strength, night vision, super hearing. He leaves the hospital and equips himself with... Uh, some guns, <laughs> ammunition. He's anticipating another meeting with this Angon character. So Ballistic teams up with who else but Batman um, to drive Angon out of the city. And then a little bit later, Ballistic joins up with several other of the New Bloods to defeat the spine-sucking aliens. Which is like, just that little bit alone sounds dope. Like, Where's that movie? Where's that miniseries? Where is that, like, trailer for that? Like, that would be, that's dope as fuck. Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Let me know if you agree or if you disagree. <laughs> now, um, for the New Bloods, some of the characters whose metagenes were activated by the parasites um, are Argus, Loose Cannon, Razor Sharp, Tara Smith, Hitman, and Gunfire. Um, if too much parasite venom was absorbed by the whole system, it would cause like some hideous like abnormalities and like boiled skin and all that. Now, um, as seen with Terrell Smith, the mother alien known as the Takar or the Taker, probably it's probably Taker, um, was destroyed with the help of all the human new bloods. Uh, Pax helped banish these aliens by sealing them up in the other dimensional home of the Takar or the Taker. <laughs> Now, um, Ballistic Next becomes a member of the superhero reality show, The Blood Pack, a group filled with many new bloods. Now, with corporate backing and under the leadership of seasoned veteran Jade, some of the new bloods formed a superhero team known as The, the Blood, Blood Pack. The series was created by Charles Moore and Christopher Taylor. The series was short-lived and it canceled um, after only about four issues. 
Yeah, three, four, four issues. Yeah. So, um, also he helps the team beat, and I am going to butcher this name, Quorum, 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 Q U O R U M. So, um, but the team disbands shortly after that. So, Ballistic just can't catch a break. <laughs> now, the quorum, whatever however you say that, is the clandestine and apparently corrupt department of an unnamed government agency in the DC Comics universe. The former operatives are Major Force, Mace Gardner, who is the brother to Guy Gardner, um, Laura, Loria, Loria, Laura. Look, y'all, I know how to read. I'm an adult. I have access to books. I can't always read that well. <laughs> now, um, the metahuman known as Sledge and an army of armored men known as Sweepers, the Quorum, we're going to say Quorum, sponsored and funded the Blood Pack, a superhero team made up of new bloods in a failed attempt to create a superhuman army based on their DNA. Which is like, a lot of this stuff is short-lived. Some of it might be kind of campy. Some of it is very much a sign of the times. But for these characters, and I'm speaking of the entire, like, Blood Plague, New Bloods, all that good stuff. Not just Kelvin Mayo. But for these characters to exist and have this 23-issue run or... No, I'm sorry. Mayo was in 23 issues. For them to have such a short run, such a short-lived run, um, again, what's the harm in giving them over to someone else a creative team of color somebody who's just new in the business trying to break in and you know give them a shot you know throw this one character and i don't understand why comic book companies don't do this anyways you have a wealth of all these characters why don't you give these new people like if you do they do any um workshops take the top three people you think are the greatest or shit the top 10 or just take a handful of people who have proven that hey i want to be in this industry give them a character and give them two issues like that's i feel like that's an interesting that would be an interesting story um again for me if i was the you know ceo chairperson or whatever at dc for me i feel like it would make sense to or maybe this is just my inner kid yelling out at me but take 10 characters no matter who they are give it to 10 different creators creators of color of course and let them know hey you all need to write a story your story need to exist within these two weeks in the dc universe within these two weeks you have to be you know five of y'all in chicago three of y'all in gotham one of you in metropolis and one of you in tennessee upon that you give them one thing this event happens they all drink this water and and whatever here are all of their back issues read up give me a heartfelt story and that we're all going to cross over at the end like i feel like that's something new something different um it's it's something i don't know i just i feel like more can be done <laughs> at this point i'm just screaming for more <laughs> more and more representation um but getting back to mr mayo kelvin then after you know the team disbands kelvin then spend some time on his own as a vigilante, as you do. <laughs> now, occasionally aiding Batman, which is like, come on, this nigga was like teaming up with Batman. Sure enough, pretty much everyone has teamed up with Batman. But still, this is a big deal. Kelvin and, and Batman just chilling and swinging from roofs and shit. Now, um, but soon after he um found another team, Cave Carson's Forgotten Heroes. 
came calling and Ballistic joined them for a mission in aiding the Resurrection Man. Now, the Forgotten Heroes are a fictional superhero team, of course, in the DC Universe, of course. The group is composed of um, originally unrelated superheroes who were introduced in uh, DC publications about the 1940s, 50s, some a little bit of 60s in there. Now, having faded from appearances in DC publications, Marv Wolfman and Gil Kane brought them together in Action Comics number 545. This was back in July of 1983. Now, as a team that has simply faded from the limelight of their world, which is like that little bit right there is exactly what you need to do now. It is now 2017 at the time of this recording. It is now December in 2017. DC, you did it before. Let's do it again. How hard is it? (laughs) I just want more characters represented, characters of color. (laughs) Now, um, and he has a very cool look. Like he gives you... um, Kind of like a cross between Savage Dragon and Hellboy. That's what I'd say. It's the very interesting. Like, he got the little fangs on his chin and got the little hair. And, like, he's extremely big. Like, he's, I, he has a very interesting look. And he has a look that, um, if translated to the screen, wouldn't take... Well, I don't want to say wouldn't take as much. Wouldn't be as demanding as, uh, as other characters. And we've seen that even within Deadpool, seeing the new Colossus, Colossus, um, Piotr Rasputin, yeah, him in Deadpool is a very different him than the first, like, X-Men movies that came out back in the early 2000s. So it's like, uh, he can be, we can rebuild him. (laughs) Now, um, after that, it seemed like Ballistic had left the Forgotten Heroes after that mission. And he decides to do what? He's trying the long vigilante act once again. So this nigga just can't get that high out of his system from being a vigilante. Now later on, Mayo was tossed out of Guy Gardner's bar, Warriors, for throwing his weight around. So he gives you a little bit of a little bit of Wolverine attitude action up in there, you know what I'm saying? So we got Savage Dragon meets uh Hellboy meets a little bit of Wolverine. Like come on, this is shaping up to be a damn good character who I want to see more of, goddammit. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, Guy Gardner is a fictional comic book superhero, appearing in books published by DC Comics, of course. Usually in the books feature the Green Lantern family of characters. And for a time, back in like the late 80s or through kind of through the 90s, he was also a significant member of the Justice League family of characters. Um, he's usually appeared in the books featuring the Green Lantern Corps, the, um, who are an intergalactic police force, which Gar Gartner has been depicted as a member. Now, I'm not, again, not up on the times and hip and witted when it comes to DC characters. Green Lantern has never interested me. Um, I challenge anyone out there who are diehard fans of Green Lanterns or who are just, you know, in the know to recommend a book to me or a run or a trade or something that features Green Lanterns that you think would turn me on to them because I think it's an interesting character and the little bit that I am aware of it, um, I think a lot can be done with it, but I feel like that character in itself, the Green Lanterns, are characters who need a creator who has a lot of imagination, who is not just your typical procedural point A, point B, point C, because for your powers to be dependent upon your imagination, 
and whatever you can come up with and how your mind works and to be able to um, physically form what's in your mind and to use those constructs. Like, I feel like it's a lot going on where it's a lot of emotional, it's a lot of cerebral stuff, but a lot of it just, I just haven't been interested in the Green Gan- Green Gantern, Green Lantern as a character. So, I, I don't know. Anyone out there under the sound of my voice who, who has a suggestion, please, by all means, throw it at me because I'd like to kind of get into this character and get into this Green Lantern world and what it is that makes these people so great because clearly Green Lanterns have existed over all this time, you know, so, yeah. Now, um, we're going to go on to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis, Infinite Crisis is a 2005 to 2006 comic book storyline published by DC Comics consisting of an universe, a big giant, I don't <laughs> a really big um, seven-issue comic book limited series written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Phil Jimenez, uh, George Perez, Ivan Rice, and Jerry Ordway. Um, and a number of other tie-in books, of course. Like, you know, when it comes to events, there are tons of tie-in books. Like, they're trying to get your money. <laughs> now, the main miniseries debuted in October of 2005. And each issue was released with two variant covers, one by Perez and one by Jim Lee and Sandra Hope. And, like, Jim Lee's art is, like, dope. It's sexualized. It's big muscles. It's long thighs. It's big breasts and long hair. It's very much 90s. And it still kind of holds up for me. So I think it's more of the nostalgia factor for me personally. But um, good art. Now, the series storyline was a sequel to DC's 1985 limited series, Crisis on Infinite Earth which uh, rebooted much of the DC continuity in an effort to fix 50 years worth of contradictory character history. Um, And that's a big issue when it comes to comic book companies. And that's something that I think is a pro and a con, but it's something that makes the big two very unique. Like, of course, they're powerhouses on their own. They are going to make money hand over fist. But the fact that you have such a long history like i thoroughly enjoy seeing comic book companies and comic book stories that are newer that you are able to kind of grasp what's going on with them and who did this and who did what but with marvel it's so much shit going on and dc is so much shit there's so many stories there's so many properties that i like the idea that hell you can just get lost in what is going on the bad part about it is that you get the people who are slaves to canon. It's like, oh, well, Batman never did this. And Catwoman never did that. And Lois Lane would have never said this. And it's just like, we have to evolve as people. Like, there are no one, there are no people that, no, nothing? What? Hmm? No. No one today, in 2017, December of 2017, are the exact same as December in 1959 and 1972. Like, things are different. Comics are different. The way we, we take in media is different. The way we communicate is different. So I love that there's canon, but I love that you can take something from the 60s, 70s, and 80s and try to fit that origin story and that backstory into the 2000s, the 2010s, and whatever. So um, with them having this crisis on Infinite Earth, which was like, of course, a reboot to the DC continuity, it's... It's it's cool. I feel like it's 
one of those things where if it happens now, which the new 52, I think that's what that was now. It isn't always received well, but again, you can't please everybody. So that's to be expected. Hell, um, Captain America was a Nazi, excuse me, a Hydra agent, supposedly for years. Um, now, when it rebooted much of the DC continuity, trying to fix that 50 years worth of shit that they had going on, um, it revisited characters and concepts from that earlier crisis, and uh, including the characters in DC's multiverse. Now, some of the characters featured were alternate versions of comic book icons, such as an alternate Superman named Kal-El, um, who came from a parallel universe of El Earth 2. Um, a major theme in Infinite Crisis was the nature of heroism, contrasting that often dark and conflicted modern-day heroes with the memories of the lighter and more ostensibly more notable, well, pretty much uh, <laughs> the darker um, current modern characters versus their lighter, happier-go-lucky type of um, uh, uh, forefathers in a sense. So that's Infinite Crisis. Now, Ballistic joins with dozens of other superheroes and civilians to defeat, uh, to me, defend Metropolis from the attack by the Secret Society of Supervisions. Now, Ballistic teams up with several other former members of the Blood Pack to tackle Solomon Grundy. While fighting Grundy, Ballistic and the other members of the Blood Pack present excuse me, are present and along with their incarnation of Grundy, they are killed in a blast of heat vision from the insane Superboy Prime. So how how about that? Catch me outside, Superman Boy Prime. How about that? Um, now moving on to The Blackest Night. The Blackest Night is a 2009 to 2010 American comic book crossover. Uh, it's, of course, published by DC Comics, consisting of the uh, central miniseries being by Jeff Johns and penciled by Ivan Reyes. And a number of other tie-in books, of course, tie-ins when there comes when there's an event. Now, Blackest Night involves Necron, who is a personified force of death, who reanimates deceased superheroes and seeks to eliminate all life and emotion from the universe. Which is like, alright, bro. <laughs> I guess you mad, bro. No, um, Jeff Johns had identified the series as central theme as emotion. The crossover was published for eight months as a limited series and in both Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, both of those titles. Now, various other limited series and tie-ins included an audio drama from Darker Projects, blah, whatever. So within this, in Adventure Comics Volume 2, Number 4, the Blood Pack members, killed by Superboy Prime, are reanimated as members of the Black Lantern Corps. Superboy Prime destroyed Ballistic on Earth Prime using the Black Ring, cycling through the power set of the resulting in a burst of colored energy that destroyed the Black Lanterns. And it's like, man, we just can't get a goddamn break, can we, people of color? I'm sorry about that, goddammit. But all that being said, I just think this was an amazing character. Um, this is somebody who... Even if, say, he's too campy and too corny and the look is too outdated, this is fiction and it's nothing to re, you know, reboot him, to modernize him, to change him and make him into, you know, a character who you think would sell today, a character who you think is, you know, visually stimulating and who has a, a very good story. Like, like, it's like these are all fictional characters, but this is a character who you own the rights to do something with him. I don't know. 
I mean, I'm sure I'm not running a comic book company, but goddamn, do something with this character, hell. So, um, yeah, he gone. He dead. That nigga gone. So that so sad. We're gonna take a moment of silence for ballistic. Um, okay. Now that that's done, <laughs> um, all in all, of course, I'm I'm just. I'm saddened <laughs> by this idea that this character has um, has a rich history, and I feel like a broken record. But when you have characters like um, in Marvel, Cable, who has uh, stood the test of time, but he was like always a pretty pretty awesome character. But this character, Ballistic, is I just feel like with the way that the DC Cinematic Universe is going, like um, on TV, they're all they're great. I don't watch those shows because I don't particularly care for them. They are very campy to me. I'm not interested. Uh, But I do see that they're doing some shit and they're doing it well. And, you know, I may jump in and um, feel compelled to maybe dive into a couple episodes or seasons or crossovers. Because I think now they're doing the Crisis on Earth X crossover with all of the DC uh, CW shows, which it looks amazing. It's just not for me right now. That being said, I feel like um, with the way that Justice League was received and the way that like Batman vs. Superman was received and you have characters like this where, again, I'm not trying to make DC into Marvel, but with the success that Marvel has had with Netflix, <laughs> look at me, I'm lying. I'm not trying to make DC into Marvel, but with Marvel, no. But with the success that Marvel's had with uh, with with Netflix, find you five characters like this whole Bloodlines, New Bloods, like bring them back, bring them back in their own series, make them their own separate corner of the DC universe, the DC Cinematic Universe, and get shit cracking. Like, <laughs> do it, hell. Um, I don't know. So <laughs> that's um, shit. That's it for ballistic man. I just, I just would like to see an Asian guy, a Korean American, get their ass up and and take this part and do something good with it. Like do something that that also celebrates him being Korean American. Don't beat me over the head with Korean culture, like making it very um, um, campy and uh, kind of forced. But when you are a person who's in a community and you're writing from their perspective, things are a little bit more genuine. There may be a type of shirt that Koreans wear that within that community, that's just something you know. Like, oh, that's just something that Korean uncles wear. You know, like, who's to say you wouldn't draw him in something like that? Or maybe there's some food that these guys eat that is normal, a regular food. Well, all food is normal, but is the food that is when I see it or when a white person sees it or when a Mexican person sees it, it's just, oh, that's X, Y, and Z. But for them, it's like, you know, oh, only um, Korean men who are, you know, older eat that. We don't eat that anymore. We're younger. Like, I'm throwing all these random ass um, ideas out because I'm just like, ah, I see the success that we've had with Insecure, with Queen Sugar, with um, all these black ass properties that we have out now. And I'm not plugged into Asian American culture. I'm not plugged into the um, Korean culture. I'm looking at everything on surface level. I'm doing my best to kind of um, be a little bit more aware um, as much as I possibly can with the time that I have. But it would be nice to see something different um, that is 
like this even if we didn't use this character hell fuck ballistic he's dead fine ballistic is gone now kelvin mayo i'm sure had a family if not create a family don't have them have superpowers just give me mayo's family be it his wife and kids be it his brother and sister be it his mom or his dad give me something that's a little bit more than just again blonde haired blue eyed like give me this character who has history build off of that and see what you can't come up with because i'm sure someone out there is dying to write something for dc just hand them this character and be like here create a backstory <laughs> give me a, a a mini series about this man for his life all the way up into the events of him being um on the Gotham PD and then them going to fight Angon who bit his ass and made him into the ballistic heat that we know and love. Um, all that being said, man, <laughs> this is it. No, um, good deal. Good deal. Good conversation. So we're going to keep this conversation going. Those of you under the sound of my voice, uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. You know, we enjoy your likes. We enjoy your retweets. We enjoy your um, reviews on iTunes. Five stars, please. We thoroughly enjoy um, you coming and sitting with us week after week. And uh, we love you for it. <laughs> so make sure you email me if you want to email at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Um, check me out as always at carefreeblacknerd.com um, on Sundays you know we have a little bit of something shopping up there for you uh, check the Carefree Black Nerd news feed there are a bunch of other shows coming down the pipeline a bunch of shows that are just premiering um, Welcome to Riverdale is still going strong season 2 um, Also Insecure is another good show that should be coming up uh, next year I believe next summer or spring I don't know um we also have the pool which is uh dope of course in itself the pool it's such an amazing show and um i don't know y'all just um hit me up on twitter carefree blurred uh hashtag cbn pod that's always good and uh t- of course check out bynk radio because your boy is what now on bynk radio <laughs> check it out so the links will be in the show notes um if you like this episode, let me know. If you like this character, let me know. If you know a little bit more about him, about Kelvin Mayo that I don't know or that I didn't touch on, hit me up. Like, we can always come up with a part two. If you've read this and you're passionate about it and you're like, damn, I just, I've always wanted someone to talk about ballistic and now you've done it. Go ahead. Come on. Bring, come on the show. Let's discuss this motherfucker. Um, yeah, all that being said, thanks, guys. Uh, check me out. Hit the hashtags. Hit the hearts. Uh, do the retweets, give the five stars and all that good shit. And uh, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and um, stay away from Angon because you're going to get bit, then you might turn red, and then you're going to lay like these fangs in your chin. Your hair might grow real long, but then it don't matter that it's long because ain't nobody going to want you because you're going to be this big old monstrous character, but then somebody else might get a hold of your story, somebody that's a character of color, and they're like, hey, I can do something with this motherfucker. And then you might even meet Ballistic. And if you meet Ballistic, man, that's cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's a pretty good idea. So those of you out there, you know, please like, share, click the goddamn thing. <laughs>